So I've been in the health service a long time. This is my 31st year as a, as a chief executive of a teaching hospital, effectively the half-life of the NHS. And in the other half, my father and his twin brother, Morris, some of you who are the older generation might remember them, were in a similar role. So I've got a lifetime perspective of where the NHS is. My experience uh, and all the <clears throat> evidence points to the fact that the NHS has never been in better health. The Commonwealth Fund and the OECD concluded this year that the NHS is top of the International Premier League. And in many respects, I find when I speak around in other nations that uh, they look to us for inspiration. Public support remains fantastically strong for the health service. And as Nigel Lawson once famously said, it's the closest thing to a national religion. So it all sounds great, doesn't it? However, despite uh, this position, we face a financial crisis of unprecedented proportions, certainly in, in my lifetime. To illustrate our predicament, uh, we have the famous £30 billion gap. The government's £10 billion, if you count the £2 billion that was allocated last year, and Lord Carter's interim report, which I've had the pleasure of sitting on for the last year or so, identified £5 billion worth of efficiency savings. So you don't have to be a mathematical genius to work out that that leaves at least £15 billion, some might say £17 billion to go. So what are the answers to this? We all look to the five-year forward view, but that's characterised as a compass rather than a roadmap. And uh, I think people like me need the details filled in sooner rather than later and uh, a plan that everyone can understand and get behind. So, as John has already said, at the end of last year, providers were in uh, deficit to the tune of nearly, nearly a billion pounds, counterbalanced by surpluses elsewhere. However, this year, the provider deficit, uh, in most people's opinion, is going to double or more than double. So we face the prospect, perhaps, uh, for the first time, of the NHS breaching its cash limit, and this is new territory for all of us. And uh, I can see ever-increasing concern, perhaps a little panic in some quarters about the implications of this. So the government's uh, aim uh, to constrain public sector spending is absolutely clear. And it's interesting to note that uh, the GDP spend on the NHS is about 1% less than the European comparisons. And this 1% difference is not a million miles away from the size of the black hole. Clearly, this is not just a, a problem facing us in the UK. The challenges of demographic growth, the cost of new technologies, new cancer treatments, etc., are facing everyone. And if there were international solutions to this problem, I'm sure we would have found them long before now. So what can we do about this challenge? Firstly, I applaud Lord Carter for his insight and analysis of course, we need to focus on things like procurement, staffing controls, medicines management, but that will only get us a small part of the way there. And I also applaud the Secretary of State's recent comments about agency spend, but as John has already said, that's only going to really scratch the surface and have a very superficial impact. So where are the real solutions? Because simply doing what we're currently doing will just get us what we've currently got. We need uh, a much more fundamental approach to this, in, in my opinion. So if there is a real solution... I think they probably lie in uh, getting patients to take greater responsibility for their own health, easier said than done, and perhaps more specifically eliminating waste in the patient journey. So I'm a great advocate of integrated care, as are, I think, 
virtually all of my colleagues in the acute sector. I think when we first started saying that a few years ago, people were, were quite surprised. So joining up primary community and secondary care in seamless pathways through accountable care organisations is, in my opinion, really the only way, the only way that we can address this huge £17,000 million problem. But this is far more difficult than it sounds. It will challenge many strongly held beliefs in the NHS, such as the purchaser-provider split, and indeed the very nature of commissioning. If you have an accountable care organisation, what is the point in commissioning? It'll challenge the relationship between different funding streams in the NHS and in social care, and it'll challenge the public perception that local hospitals can and should do everything, because clearly they can't. And I can see a very significant public backlash to the implications of developing accountable care organisations, and perhaps also it may even challenge the holy grail of the independent contractor status of GPs. So I think all of these things have to be addressed, and I think tinkering around the margins, which is where we are at the moment, is only going to, as I say, scratch the surface of the challenge facing us. So we're all looking to uh, Manchester, my place of birth, as a laboratory experiment, Devo Mank. But there are many questions yet to be answered, particularly on funding, on governance and accountability. And we need to see the, the, the experiment in Manchester evolve at pace in different parts of the UK before we accept it as a, a panacea to our problems. Today's King's Fund report points to staff morale. John's referred to finance staff, but I think it's much deeper than that. The likelihood of the majority of trust in deficit is already challenging the culture of where we've been over the last decade, <clears throat> foundation trusts that have proudly delivered a surplus over the last 10 years. I've heard comments recently such as being in deficit is being in the pack. And would it make any difference if our £10 million deficit were £20 million? Or in the case of some trusts, our £100 million deficit, £150 million. So I think this is a real challenge to the way in which our non-executives and particularly our clinicians are going to face up to the financial challenges and the change to uh, patient pathways and improvements in efficiency that we have to achieve. In addition to our financial challenge, we have a crisis in leadership capacity. For the past year, I had the privilege of <coughs> chairing an independent inquiry into the future leadership of the NHS. 30 years on from the Griffiths report, we made 12 recommendations in three connected areas, which uh, I think are definitely connected to today's agenda. Firstly, we said we need to make leadership more manageable. The current bureaucracy in the NHS facing people like me is stifling. We found in London, when we uh, got clinicians to agree to uh, a new cancer strategy that was going to save thousands of lives, we found 64 different organisations who had a power veto over what we wanted to do, and it took us two years to go through a consultation process. In Manchester, they've identified 200 consultation and assurance processes that they have to go through to get through the programme that they have embarked upon. How can we make change in this stifling environment the second set of recommendations is on the question of clinical leadership. We found, despite some notable successes, we'd fail to incentivise clinicians to take on leadership roles. And it seems to me if we haven't got clinicians leading these changes that we have to make, then it's going to be virtually impossible. And thirdly, we proposed an organic reduction in the number of organisations. We counted up some 800 organisations, statutory organisations, 
and arms length bodies who were looking to recruit a leadership head equivalent to a chief executive. We simply don't have that bandwidth, um, as exemplified by the fact that one in five trusts can't appoint a finance director, one in six trusts can't appoint a chief executive, and 37% of mental health trusts have key vacancies at board level that they can't fill. Personally, I'm very pleased to see the uh, proposal to merge Monitor and the TDA, and we may hear more about that later on today, and hope that uh, the new (coughs) organisation will support the kind of changes that we've outlined. So in conclusion, the NHS uh, financial challenge is fast becoming the hottest issue facing the government. Provider organisations will be forced to choose in addressing the financial challenge between competing priorities, money and quality, What we need is outstanding leadership and direction at both political, system level and operational level. We must unleash the talented, lated leadership talents uh, we have locked up in our system, particularly with our clinicians. And most importantly of all, perhaps, we need to communicate again and again to our patients and our staff that change is painful and that no matter how much we cherish the NHS, it's time to make some fundamental changes to safeguard its future in the light of the daunting financial challenges facing us. Thank you very much.